On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about various questions that, well, sort of current event related. Yeah, these are, you know, we get a lot of questions on a lot of different subjects, but these questions all relate sort of to the current crisis we're in and some current events that have recently happened and so, and some things about to come up. And so we've got some interesting questions to deal with tonight. It's going to be an interesting discussion. We're going to look forward to taking your comments, uh, get them uh, ready, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you into the virtual bible study for thursday april 2nd 2020 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight Good to be with you kyle is behind the controls tonight kyle glad that you're here it's good to be here. i think we're all safely distanced from each other and uh uh, and you stay way over there. I'm staying over here. You stay over there. Okay. Uh, and but we're glad that you're here on the other end of the line tonight, and we'll look forward to hearing from you at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com or sign in the chat room. There's lots of folks in the chat room tonight. If you haven't signed in, it's very easy to do. You can. It'll even give you a pseudonym if you don't want to give your real name. Uh, but uh, maybe put your name in there uh, so we can call you out uh, by name, maybe just your first name or a nickname or something, so that we can recognize your comments. As you share your comments with listeners from around the world, Kevin's out there in the chat room tonight, and he's asking for a roll call for where people are listening and watching from. Kevin's either in Ohio or Florida tonight is my guess, but uh, there's no telling where he might be, and no telling where you are as well. Our listeners would like to know where you're listening tonight. So maybe just send that in the chat room tonight as we talk about some very important questions. Before we get into that, let's, uh, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, obviously this uh, pre- present crisis, health crisis in the United States and around the world, this coronavirus issue. And let's bring people up to date with what we're doing here at College U just so they can know. We, we kind of shuffled that off to the very last seconds of the program last week. We are trying to continue to assemble and, of course, we're not able to use our inside facilities, but what we've done the last two Sundays and what we hope to do again this Sunday is to conduct a worship service in our parking lot. Uh, and we have a low-powered FM transmitter, and it allows people to stay in their cars and listen to the audio of the of the worship service on their car radios. And then we, we sing and we distribute the Lord's Supper very carefully so that there's no cross-contamination. We've been very encouraged by the process. Uh, I think everybody who has come has been encouraged. We've had visitors who've come, and they've been very uh, positive about the experience as well. We're going to try to keep doing that. Our governor here in Tennessee, Governor Bill Lee, put out a new executive order today uh, that some have expressed concern may affect what we're doing we don't know for sure, but we think we're okay to continue to do it. Our plan is right now, Sunday morning at 1030, to have our drive-in worship service in the parking lot here at College View in Columbia. So we welcome you. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area and you don't have any place else to worship, 
we hope we'll be able to accommodate a, a number of people, although we've had a lot of visitors and, and we, we almost have had our parking lot full the last couple of Sundays. Um, then on Sunday night, we're doing a sermon on our live stream, which is College View live stream. So uh, go to that. Uh, and you can hear a sermon on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. And on Wednesday night, we're doing our Wednesday night Bible study. We're studying the book of Acts. We're doing that online as well. Go to our YouTube channel, College View live stream. So that's what we're up to. Uh, these are extraordinary times. Uh, everybody agrees with that. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion, Jacob, about how churches should be handling this. Of course, that was our discussion last Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. Really appreciate Jim Deason and Eddie Payton joining us last week to discuss this. A lot this. of interest on that topic last week. Yes, and, and there's been a lot of follow-up discussions. I, Jim Deason invited me to be with him on a, a Facebook Live program uh, a couple days ago in which this was discussed again and more thoroughly. You got a lot of discussion, a lot of people. A lot, a lot. Really? There's a lot of people really. Obviously, there's nothing else on anybody's mind right now, and so people are wanting to talk about it's not, it. The things going on in the office aren't on people's mind, I guess. No, yeah. that's right. A lot of people are not working. Yeah. Uh, so I, there's a lot of concern. I think people are really concerned, and, and I think legitimately so. But that's what we're doing at College View, and we hope to be able to continue to do that. Uh, but that sort of leads us to the question, some of the questions that we sent out, uh, that have come in. Now, all of these questions, these are not our questions. We did not generate these questions. These questions have come in from our listeners. And we sent them out earlier today to our update list. If you're not on our update list, you can be on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to your list. So here's the questions we sent out earlier today indicating our discussion for tonight. Number one, where is the biblical authority given to elders to make the decision to cancel the meeting of the brethren they are shepherding? Now, that's happening. That's happened a lot. And a number of churches uh, all across this country, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to know that all across the globe, there are congregations of people that have just discontinued meeting until further notice. In fact, there's a, there's a there's a congregation not far from where my house is, and on their on their signboard it says, "Meetings canceled until further notice." And mm-hmm. so they're they're making no effort to to do anything apparently that way. Where d- does is there Bible authority for elders of a church to make that decision? Okay. Number one. Number two. Why can we not say people are gathered together virtually? In other words, we're talking about a gathering together, coming together. We'll talk about this more. Why can we not say that people are gathered together virtually during a Zoom worship? I think everybody knows what Zoom is now. I think people who didn't ever heard of never heard of Zoom two weeks ago know what yeah. it is now. Yeah. He says during a Zoom worship, I can see all of my brethren, no no different than in the building. The only difference is the lack of physical proximity. How close is close enough? Under the same roof, within earshot, eye shot, within a stone's throw. So he wants to know why is a virtual meeting not really a meeting? Okay, we'll talk about that. Number three, what would you do about someone who shows up drunk and disrupts the service? Or what about a woman who comes in a bikini? How about those who desire to protest the church? I thought this was a, a relative question. This, this had been, I got this a few weeks ago. When this, this is, is this connected to the virus? It's not, but I thought that last part. What about those who would come and disrupt? So maybe we're doing our parking lot worship service, and somebody doesn't like us doing that. And what if they come in and try to disrupt the service? What would you do if someone, for whatever reason, under whatever circumstances, tried to disrupt your worship service? What would you do? Okay. I, th- I think that's a worthy thing to talk about. Okay. Um, 
Number four, since the recent tornadoes in Tennessee, several churches, including some churches of Christ, have opened up their buildings to be a donation drop-off location. Could we scripturally use the building as a place for people to gather, or people, rather for people to shelter, get food, and so forth? And then finally, number five, what's the best way to scripturally show people that we should not observe Easter? Easter Sunday is a week from this Sunday. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to scripturally show people that we should not observe Easter as a holiday? What about a church-sponsored Easter egg hunt? Okay. What about that? All right. Okay. Good questions. It's going to be a busy hour, so let's get rolling now. All right, so let's let's dive into that first one about authority. I've got the longer questions that people send in, and I may read a little bit more of some of those. Um, it says this this questioner asks, uh, "I, I, uh, where where is the biblical authority given to elders to make the decision to cancel the meeting of the brethren where they are shepherding?" I fully agree that elderships are to make decisions in the best interest of the flock, but I see nowhere they have authority to cancel the meeting. And that is my dilemma. With all this talk of protecting our flock that I continue to hear, the message seems to be given by this that there are those who are not as important, those whose faith is not as highly regarded as others. I have a hard time for any reason canceling when there's zero examples I'm aware of in this premise. In other words, he's saying there seems to be more concern for the people who might get sick than for the people who have a conscience that they need to keep meeting. Mm -hmm. And he says that, and his position is if the elders cancel meetings in favor of some that they're concerned might get physically sick, where's the concern for those who have a conscience that says they should keep meeting? Okay. And, and so that's the question. All right. How would you answer that? That's a tough one. And uh, that's uh, we heard from Jim Walsh, uh, Jim, Jim uh, Deason last night or last week about the, well, the agonizing that the elders there had done over the decision to dis- to discontinue services during this crisis. So, I mean, it's 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 a very difficult question. Um, uh, I, I do believe they have um, the authority to do what's in the best interest of the flock, and there are more things than just people getting sick that are in the interest of the flock is that they're making the decisions on. Um, they're concerned about... Their, the effect that they would have on the community, the perception that they would have in the community, things like that. So there, it's, there are lots of considerations that are being come into effect here, but I think they are shepherding a flock, caring for that flock like a shepherd would. I, I think I, I imagine to some people this is a yes or a no, a black or the white, and an off and on. I mean, it's either either or kind of consideration. And that what, that, I think, has been the response for most all of us. Initially, until we stepped back from the, the, the situation and, and thought it through. Initially, we thought, no, we're going to meet. We don't care what they say. We've got to step back from that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it is, is just – I don't think it's just two things to consider. Either we do or don't. It's yes or no. I think there's a spectrum of things to consider. And I, I want to reiterate what I mentioned last week, that I think uh, – this brother, I think, is in good conscience. He has a conscience. He needs to assemble. But I'm sure that he, at times, has stayed home because he either was personally sick or concerned that he might make someone else sick. I, I, I've used the illustration that I think probably applies to all of us. There have been times when you said, you know, I don't feel that terribly bad. I could probably go, but I sure don't want to give this to somebody else. And so th- that is a legitimate individual decision. 
Nobody, nobody would criticize you for individually making that decision. Now, the, the, I, to my way of thinking, uh, and I don't want to cancel services, and we have not canceled services here, uh, and I don't want to. If, if, if there's any way at all that we can keep assembling in any fashion whatsoever, uh, I want to keep doing that. But I can't criticize a congregation that would make the decision to say, under the leadership of the elders, if they have elders, to say, they're just basically it's not a difference in decision; it's just a difference in degree. Instead of one person making the decision independently or individually, it's everybody simultaneously making the decision, and 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 maybe even at the direction or urging of our government on top of that. But really, if one person can make the decision to stay out of the assembly for a health consideration, and we all have done that, then. Everybody could make the decision simultaneously. It's not a different decision. It's just a difference in degree. You know, and and we people we're making these decisions all the time. And the 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 command to assemble is not the only command that we have to have in the equation. For instance, all the women listening tonight, I'm sure, have stayed home when they felt as healthy as could be because they had a child that was sick. Fathers have done the same thing. They had a child. They didn't agonize over that decision. Susie's sick. I'm staying home with her. Yeah. I'm not worshiping day. Why is this different? Yeah. Because there are multiple things that we have to take into account when we think about worship, uh, the command to worship. There are other things. And that, that command does not trump every other command that we have in the Bible. I think the way, and I'm, uh, this, this good brother, I'm, I, don't know, I don't know any more than what he wrote here, but I think some people are, are sort of grappling with the idea, where's the authority for elders to cancel the services. And he even wrote cancel in capital letters, you know, which is sort of, you know, in, in, in our Internet age. Really, that's a clue can, of, really cancel. Yeah, really cancel. I mean, I'm angry about Bolt it. Bolt the door. And I don't think elders are doing that. I don't, I don't think that they're being authoritarian here. I think they, they are urging the congregation to think this way. They are the spiritual leaders of the flock. Let's all think this way. We'll stay home for now. Because we don't want to make other people yeah, sick. Yeah. And so uh, I don't think it's like elders who are lording it over the flock. You know, in First Peter chapter 5, the, the apostle Peter warns about elders who might lord it over the flock. In First Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 2, he says to elders, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. I I have not seen any evidence of elders who are lording it over the flock. I actually think they're leading by example there. And their example is, for us, we think it's best that maybe we just not meet this Sunday. It's a really tough call. And like I said, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I want to keep meeting under whatever methodology we can it's obviously getting tougher uh we heard from our friend jim in kentucky uh, and uh, someone reported them last week for for continuing to meet in their church building they've been now told officially they are not allowed to assemble in their church building so it's tough times i, I mean it's really tough times and what's really amazing to me is three weeks ago we weren't even thinking about this this is all brand new stuff, and I do think, brethren, got to give a little room for folks to try and find their way through it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin says one of the differences is that the, 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 that the issue and decision is in the future, not an imminent issue like a heavy snowstorm. We have to think days and weeks in, in the future in regard uh, to the media. Yeah, that is different, Kevin. I think you're right. However, our friend Dwight in Iowa, and I don't, I don't know if, if Dwight's in the chat room or not, but he has mentioned to us, you know, out in Iowa, they get blizzards. And sometimes the government closes down the highways. You cannot, you are not allowed to be on the highway this Lord's Day. This Sunday morning, the roads are closed. You'll be arrested if you're found in your car on the highways. Well, nobody has a, nobody has an issue with that. You know? And so the, the, they, in those kind of places, thankfully we don't have that kind of circumstance in Tennessee. But in those kind of places, the government mandating a shutdown has occurred plenty of times yep. in the past. Yep. Mohan says, I don't see anywhere in Scripture. Mohan's up in Illinois. They're on lockdown there. Yes. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where the elders can tell the congregation to assemble. The church is not. I, I wonder if he meant not Not to, assemble. Yeah, not yeah, assemble. Yeah. The church is not a building. Even if the building is shut down, individuals can. Uh, individuals, individual parts of an assembly can agree to get together and worship together. Yeah. Although, uh, and I, uh, I think Mohan's got the attitude I've got. I'm going to keep doing what I can do, however I can do it. But I do think our government is saying now with these stay-at-home orders, that's not uh, even an option. That's that may not even be an option to us. Uh, you know, along these lines, and this is something for us all to consider, and I'm, I'm happy that we've got a large audience in the, cra- in the uh, chat room tonight because that shows us think that, that people are concerned about spiritual things. I listened to a sermon that Donnie Rader preached over in Shelbyville about this, and he, he made a very important point. He said, if we be- believe that assembling with the saints is for our benefit and that it strengthens us and encourages us, he says the converse of that is going to be true. If we're not assembling, if we're not uh, worshiping together, we're going to get weaker. It's not good for us. It is not good for us. Yeah. And so we all need to be on spiritual alert here during these times to make sure that we're not drifting and becoming weaker. Yes. And and, and so, so these, these are really tough times. Uh, and I do think that we're going to, I mean, if we, and I think every congregation probably does have some, some brethren who are struggling spiritually. They were struggling spiritually before this started. It's, it, this is not helpful. No. Uh, and, dangerous and we, times. And we may lose some of those weak brethren uh, in the process of this. I hope it doesn't happen, but it, I mean, I think it's a distinct possibility. And so this is not, this is not ideal. No, nobody wants it this way. Yeah. And those congregations that have canceled uh, meetings, they don't want it this way. And it's not like they're rejoicing because they don't have to have, they don't, oh boy, we don't have to go to church for the next three weeks or whatever. No, n- nobody is like that. Kevin and, adds in the chat room, this is uncharted waters, and uh, it's, they're not only uncharted, they're very dangerous waters. You know, in that sermon that uh, Donnie Rader preached, uh, I didn't get to hear it yet, but I understand he used as the text uh, there where in the Old Testament said, we have not been this way right. before. Right, yeah. You know, we've never come yep. this this direction. Yep. It's a good lesson. Go yep. out to his web, look up Donnie Rader, and you'll, you'll find it. I think. Uh, El Bethel, Bethel Church, Church of Christ. Church, right? El, good, yeah. good lesson if you want to listen to that one. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get a break, and we'll get back to the next question. Uh, what about, next what about question. meeting virtually? Yeah, what about this idea of virtual meetings? This has, been, this has really been a discussed subject, uh, and I'll read a little bit more about what this brother has to say. He, he thinks that we are coming together if we're just all together in a, in a virtual meeting, a Zoom meeting or a, 
a YouTube uh, channel meeting. All right. What do you think? We're going to get that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Misconception number 56. The folks at Cosby Church of Christ aren't led by the Spirit. They're afraid of him. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is, there is not a single thing we do at the Cosby Church of Christ without first getting the Holy Spirit's approval. Granted, we don't have healing crusades, miracle ministries, or slayings in the Spirit, but we refuse to do anything without Holy Ghost guidance. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the Cosby Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Repentance is never too soon, but it may be too late. When it seems hardest to pray... We should pray the hardest. The golden rule never tarnishes. Satan is a fisherman too. Deceit is his bait. Suckers get caught. It doesn't pay to worry. If you went through last year's files marked important, chances are the only things you'd keep are the paper clips. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we look at various questions, uh, sort of current event questions tonight, lots of things on people's minds and how we navigate these times uh, with a scriptural uh, backing uh, to the decisions that we make. And so we're glad to be able to discuss these with you tonight. We're glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight. Uh, Kevin's in Ohio. His wife is in florida they're they're separated because uh they both have stay-at-home orders and they can't get one can't get to the other so tra- kevin was traveling on business i believe and he's stuck uh and so he may not be able to see his wife until maybe until wow now. uh that's a tough situation i mean this is causing all kinds of calamity kinds of- guillermo's in the chat room tonight good to hear from guillermo uh out in uh, uh oregon is it oregon Maybe someplace in the yeah, northwest, I think. northwest somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Guillermo says, "Don't elders have some responsibility when it comes to the physical health of the saints?" He references James chapter five, verse fourteen. Yeah, uh, I, I, that, that would be a good text for us to study sometime on the virtual Bible study. I actually think James five uh, there, where it talks about calling for the elders of the church. The, the sickness is sin sickness, is spiritual sickness, not physical sickness there. And that's my take on it. But I, I, well, I'll have to make a note that we need to dig we that. We have talked about it before. But, yeah. uh, oh, Guillermo's in Ohio now. Well, he's, he's moved a long way. All right. All right. All right. Glad to hear from you, Guillermo. Uh, yeah, that, that's, let, look at the, let's look at the context of James chapter 5. Uh, we, you can do it before we look at it on the program. I think we've talked about it in the past. We should do it again sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Next uh, question. Dwight, uh, our friend Dwight in Iowa, Ames, Iowa, is is in the youtube chat room tonight rather than in our chat window and he says i would think that the elders should talk to the whole congregation and not just themselves so they can hear from the church about their feelings so they can make a good decision i i think that's yeah, definitely yeah. right and, and again it goes to what first peter chapter five says they should not lord it over the flock yep guest uh 2886 asking for six feet apart in the studio and i think we are see it's the it's a technology here there is it looks like we're real close on the way kyle's got our screen there but we're really i think it's about six feet yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah, can't touch your hand. Yeah, maybe six feet. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, so let's go to this question. Let me let me read a little more detail of what this brother has to say about virtual meetings. Uh, all right. So he says, uh, "Where is the line between acceptable expediency, i.e., Christians didn't have it, but we can use it, versus we must follow the pattern exactly?" For example. Apostles walked, rode animals, or boated on their missionary journeys. We use all forms of travel available because the means of travel is not important. 
Apostles only taught verbally, yet we add all kinds of technology, PowerPoint and transparencies and so forth. Uh, apostles only taught face-to-face, yet it's okay with spiritual Facebook posts, online videos, teaching the gospel, online bulletins and articles, teaching people over the phone and so forth. He says, in all these cases, I hear what people say, the method is not what's important. Yet in the case of gathering together, the method suddenly becomes important. It's argued that the method must be physically in the presence of one another, although I'm seeing inconsistencies in the interpretation. Uh, For example, Bible shows under one roof, except when outside, but some are doing doing it under separate roofs of their car in the same parking lot. Oh, he's saying say maybe we're not being consistent here. Yeah, he says, why the lack of consistency? Why can we not say that people are gathered together virtually? Yes, New Testament Christians always came together physically because that was the only method that they could. We have the technology to do that virtually during this present distress. During Zoom worship, I can see all my brethren no different than in the building. I can hear them. We pray at the same time we listen to the same message we study the same scripture at the same time literally the only difference is the lack of physical proximity what is is that what's important physical proximity i thought it was worship and encouraging one another if physical proximity is the go no go it would be helpful if those advocating that uh, that position would also define how close is close enough <laughs> under the same roof if not under the same roof, within earshot, within eyeshot, a stone's throw distance, this must be defined because there's a big difference sitting in separate cars listening to the radio versus sitting in the auditorium with one another. I'd argue it's even less scriptural sitting in a car than on Zoom worship because there is zero way I can encourage my brethren with my windows rolled up listening to a radio. Well, we don't. We leave our, We roll our windows down. Clarification on that. We do roll our windows down yeah. so we can sort of hear one another. But, hey, thing. I appreciate the challenge, and, uh, you know, we all want to make sure we're doing the right thing. Uh, I, read a, I read an article. You may have read the same article this week. A guy really worked up and uh, and uh, and. And emphasizing the fact that we've got to be together made some good points. You know, if we can meet on a Zoom, can we can we be a church in a a Zoom a Zoom church, a virtual church? Can could we have? Well, Guillermo and Kevin are in Ohio. Uh, We've got Lou up in Minnesota. We've got somebody out there in Ames, Iowa. Dwight's out there. Could we have a church? They're doing the it virtual. They're actually doing it. Well, I mean, some of the denominations are actually doing that. I would, in fact, and I, I wish I had a bulletin, a copy of the bulletin here. Uh, there's a church, uh, one of the largest churches in the United States, has has 70 members, and they and many of them are online members. They are they they don't attend any of the services in person. They're just online members. And so, you know, that sounds extreme, but people are actually doing that. And that may be an aftermath of, of this episode that we're in right now. But the, the, the questioner's argumentation would ju- be seem to justify that. But then we've got to look at verses like First Peter chapter five or first Peter chapter five, verse two, where the elders are told to feed the flock of God, which is among you. So could we have elders that are feeding the flock of God? That's not even here. Yeah, thousands of miles away. Yeah, the 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 verses that we've talked about, uh, which I think are really important, uh, in 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 Acts chapter twenty, verse seven, when Paul was in the city of Troas, nearing the end of his third missionary journey, upon the first day of the week, verse seven, when the disciples came together to break bread. 
Paul preached to them. And then a number of references are in 1 Corinthians, starting in chapter 11 at verse 20. Actually, in this context, Paul was rebuking the church at Corinth. He says, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not the Lord's Supper. It should have been, but they were abusing it. He, he mentions in uh, coming together a number of times through chapter 14. And again, in, in chapter 14, verse 23, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place. Now, that was obviously a physical location. One place. One, one place. They were together. They were together in one place. They weren't together virtually in different places. And I want to tell you something. The idea of being present, although it's figuratively used, that was not foreign to them. In 1 Corinthians 5, uh, when Paul was telling them that they should withdraw from that immoral brother, he says, I verily absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. Uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. The idea, I'm not there physically, but I'm with you, was not a foreign idea in yeah. the first century. Yeah. Okay, and, and so in the same epistle... He he talks about coming together in one place. Yeah, yep. You see the you yep, see yep, yep, the one point, place was literally a geographical specific yep, absolutely, location. Absolutely. Hey, and here's the thing. And how many people in their workplace that are now they're working from home? How many how many have heard folks in the workplace lamenting that they can't see their coworkers anymore? That they're isolated. They're yeah. alone. Yeah. Well. Why is that? Is, hey, I mean, aren't, aren't you talking? Aren't you on uh, these web conferences? Well, you're not together. Yeah. And people in the workplace realize that there's been. Yeah, you, know, you know, companies spend huge sums of money getting people from one place to another to attend a meeting. Right. You could put do on, it. You could do it all online. But put it on an air. Put them on an airplane. Yeah. Have them travel around the world. Hundreds of dollars. Thousands. Thousands of dollars. dollars. Yeah. So they'll be physically present. Okay. All right. Well, uh, it doesn't matter what companies are doing. The scriptures saying you need to be together. Yeah. Uh, And so I I think, and and, and again, now, what about the objection, Jacob, that this brother asked? Are we really in one place when we're sitting in our cars in the parking lot? I'm going to argue yes. I mean, we can quibble semantically about. You know, when, when when is one place one place? Is it a stone's throw? Is it an earshot? Is it within the eye shot? We are... If someone last Sunday afternoon had asked you, I saw that you left in your car. Where did you go? I went went to the church building, and we had a worship service in the parking lot. I was at that place. And so it's not the same. Virtual is not the same as physical, and it's clear. Now, by the way, to what he said earlier, we teach using different methods. We go. In other words, they rode donkeys and took sailing ships. We, we fly in airplanes. They taught face-to-face. We teach over the Internet and with PowerPoint. The, because the command to go and teach, those are generic commands. Those are generic commands. And that, that gives us the option to use expediencies to accomplish the command. The command to assemble in one place is specific. And so, actually, this is a question about application of 
Bible authority. Well, it is. The difference between a general command and a specific command. Yeah. All right. Appreciate the question tonight. And uh, if you have, have comments, uh, the questioner has comments, wants to talk about that further, send us an email at questions at collegeu.com. Some comments in the chat room quickly before we move on. We need to get our bullet point. Uh, guest1750 says... Um, no, it's guess 11. 90 says, Lord's Supper, the example in the New Testament is that brethren took the Lord's Supper of our Lord together in the same location. That's We'd say I, amen to that. Right. 1750 says, again, that was the only method available to them. Well, now you're going to start arguing on uh, on the silence of the Scripture there. You're, you're going without well, authority but, when you say that. You, yeah, you, yeah, get the point, though, and, 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 and that, that may be the same brother who sent in this, this email. That was the only method available to them. No, that was the specified method that they were instructed to follow. In other words, that's different than the command to go. The command to go is a generic command. You can go any way you want, any way that's available to you. You can go because the command to go is a general command. But to come together in one place specifies the method of coming. It's not that that's the only one they had. It's the only one that was authorized. So it's the difference between specific and generic authority. Faith comes by hearing, uh, Romans 10, 17. Without faith, uh, uh, it's impossible to please him, Hebrews 11, verse 6. And uh, Romans chapter 14, uh, at the end of the chapter there says that whatever is without faith is sin, uh, verse 23 of Romans chapter 14. So I would ask guest 1750, where's your faith? Where is your scripture that says, yes, God will accept this? I know that God is happy with my Zoom worship, Here's the scripture that goes that I can point to that gives me that faith, that confidence that that's acceptable. You're arguing on the silence of the scripture there. You're saying, well, I think it's probably because they didn't have the Internet in the first century, and that's why they had to come together. Prove it. Prove it from the scriptures. Um, And let's see here. Uh, Kevin says, have you noticed that the denominations that are involved in uh, online services, their most important contingency I've seen from those is to make sure that giving can still be accomplished above the other acts of worship. So, yeah, they are interested in getting the money. I guess 4908, what about those who do not have a means to participate? Lack of a PC or the elderly not able to use technology, are they forsaking the assembly? So, yeah, when you put if it on. If it's a virtual assembly and they can't get in, get yeah. into the virtual world, what about them? Guess 1750, the big issue here is that there is a feel to being in the physical presence of those you love. Even if you are six feet apart, you can feel that you are with your brethren, whereas digital meetings feel more isolated. So 1750 is arguing, I guess, for the idea that we do need to be together. And DQ in the chat room says, the excitement of seeing so many vehicles full of families was a serious encouragement to me and my family. When we drove to church, we assembled in one place. So uh, DQ was uh, part of that worship, and DQ felt the benefit of being physically together. Yeah. All right. We okay. need to get to a bullet point. When we get back, what's the question? The, oh, someone... question, well, the question we're going to deal with when we come back is what if somebody comes and disrupts the service? That could happen. You know, we're having this drive-in worship service, and what if someone didn't like us doing that yeah. and thinks maybe that we're doing something that's harmful to the health of the community? What would we do? I mean, but this would apply under all circumstances. What if somebody comes into our assembly when we're meeting normally and and begins to be disruptive? What would we do? All right. We're going to get that. Get your thoughts in the chat room. We're going to go fast on the other side. We're getting this week's bullet point. We'll be back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. 
The expression burning bridges obviously originated in the literal act of destroying structures used to cross over rivers and other barriers. By destroying them, it prevented anyone, friend or foe, from transversing the obstacle. No one could come over to you, but likewise, you could not go back to them. It was a permanent and final action. Today, we most commonly use the phrase figuratively to denote the termination of relationships and associations. Not only have these connections been broken, but also the means to restore them has been removed. There is no going back. Sadly, this often happens among brethren in the body of Christ. A harsh word spoken, a hateful act taken, a simple disagreement mishandled, and suddenly a full-fledged bridge fire ensues. Long friendships and close bonds are broken. Where once there was a valuable spiritual kinship, now there is deep alienation. And what's worse, the way back is gone. The bridge has been burned. The Lord's instructions actually give us the methodology to avoid these relational disasters. If I am the offending party, I am to go to the one I have wronged and make amends. Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24. If I'm the one who has been wronged, I am to address the one who has caused the fault. Matthew 18, verses 15 and following. If both parties in the dispute are committed to this divine plan, bridges need never come down. The unfortunate reality is that brethren too often allow simple, resolvable issues to become massive problems. Sometimes the conflicts grow so large and complex that even the wisdom of Solomon cannot solve them. Knowing that this potential for burned bridges and permanent separation exists, we should be extremely careful in the maintenance of our precious relationships. 1 Peter 3 verse 8 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Don't look at the uh, the meeting times. Uh, you can look at the location, but don't look at the meeting times there. They're not accurate any longer. We're meeting at 1030 on Sunday morning. For a drive-in worship, if you're in the area and would like to attend, uh, you can find out our meeting place there at collegeview.com. We're talking about various uh, questions uh, submitted by listeners uh, tonight on the program. Hey, Jay, before we get to this next yep. one, I, I mentioned, and I, 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 while we had the break, I grabbed this this uh, uh, sort of news about virtual churches meeting mm-hmm. at life.church, based in Edmond, Oklahoma, Visitors can chat with friends, volunteer on a prayer team, and watch live sermons. And while Live.Church has 27 physical locations in eight different states, a new member doesn't have to travel to any of them to do all these things because Life.Church offers an entire functioning church online that serves about 70,000 people every week. Wow. Isn't that amazing? amazing? So, you know, that seems like, you know, and we sort of mentioned it. Well, yeah, could you just do it all? on? Well, the fact of the matter is people are. Seems to be pretty popular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're missing the boat there. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. All right. Okay. So now here's an interesting question, and I think it could be pertinent to what's going on now because I could almost envision somebody. You know, so this will be the third Sunday in a row that we're doing this uh, drive-in worship service in our parking lot. And I can just imagine somebody who's got to be in their bonnet uh, saying, I don't like those people doing that. They're endangering the, the health and well-being of the entire community yep. by virtue. And so they drive into our parking lot and just start honking their horn and making all kind of racket, doing their very best to disrupt our service. 
I hope that doesn't happen. That might happen. I think probably more likely, and I actually have known this to happen and been where it happened, where maybe someone drunk or maybe not emotionally stable comes in and starts, you know, shouting or carrying on trying to disrupt the Mm -hmm. assembly. What are you going to do in a circumstance like that? I I think that's, uh, that's not completely out of the realm of consideration and probably we ought to have a uh, an idea of what we would do if that happened all right well uh I, can, I, can you uh, so uh, here here's here's the question the, this the, the fellow who asked me this was saying can we not physically forbid them can, in other words can we not restrain them block them keep them from entering into the assembly his, his view was that we could that we could actually Actually, bar the door, you know, physically restrain, keep them out, you know, lock lock them out so that they can't come in to disrupt. Oh, wait, so like we might know. Oh, here comes Joe again. Hey, here comes that guy. And actually, he was he was making reference to of this to maybe what about somebody we've withdrawn from and they haven't repented, but uh, they just want to come and, and be a nuisance. Yeah, I got it. Could we physically keep them out? Could we bar them from the assembly? Um, my thought to him was I, I didn't think that there's that we could. I said, are you going to use physical force to do it? Are you, are you going to use physical force to restrain such a person? I, I don't think that would be appropriate. I would be interested in hearing what our listeners think you should do in a circumstance like that. Uh, you, my thought is we have a recourse with the, with the civil authorities. You know, we, we, it, these are unique times, but under normal circumstances, we have a constitutionally r- given right to assemble. And someone who tries to disrupt that, that's, that's disorderly conduct. That's disturbing the peace. That's preventing us from exercising our constitutionally guaranteed privileges. And it would be certainly appropriate to call the police to, to intervene in a circumstance like that. I think probably more practical the thing to do in the immediacy of a situation like that would be to just close the service, just 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 you know uh, disband that assembly for the time uh, for that immediate time. You don't think you could lock the door? You saw him coming across the parking lot. Uh, I think you could probably lock the door if you got there quick enough, but I don't think you could use physical force. In other words, if you knew this guy was a troublemaker. Bum rush him or something like that. Yeah, if if you knew this guy was a a trouble and had been there causing trouble before, I'd certainly be in favor of locking. In fact, fact, we do lock the doors here just as a security precaution and have someone who who sits near the door to let latecomers in and so forth. But we actually do keep the doors locked just as a security precaution. So I, th- I mean, I think you could definitely do that, but I don't think you could use physical force against right, such right, a person. Right, right, right. Uh, Dwight says our assembly needs to be done decently and orderly. I believe we have a right, the right to call the authorities. Dwight agrees with you. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's move along. All right. That one's a pretty easy one, but I, I, I do want to, I do want to encourage people to think about, you know, maybe some things that we wouldn't normally think about. Be prepared for things we're not normally prepared for. But also, I, I, I want to encourage them to think about. Uh, using our, our civil guarantees. You know, the Apostle Paul used his rights as a citizen. Uh, when, when the Jews were trying to, to, to devise a plan whereby they could kill him, uh, and, and Festus said, okay, Paul, let's go up to Jerusalem and let these Jews uh, present their case against you there. Paul knew if he went to Jerusalem, he would be killed. And he said in Acts chapter 25, verse 10, uh, 
Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof they accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. And so Paul there was, and he did that in other instances when he was on his missionary journeys too. He he said, you know, is that legal to do to a Roman citizen? You know, so... uh, we can do that. We can use our we can use our rights as citizens. Yeah, that's what uh, DQ in the chat room says. Acts twenty five. He used his right as a Roman. Yeah. So, okay. Exactly Good. right. All right. Next question. All right. Uh, since the recent tornadoes in Tennessee, several churches, including some churches of Christ, have opened up their buildings to be a donation drop off location. Could we scripturally use the building as a place for people to shelter, to get food, and so forth? What do you think about that one? Well, that that is an emotional question. Um, and it is a, it is one that is uh, is challenging uh, for us as we look at what the church should do. But uh, the big question, the big word in that question is: Could we scripturally use the building as a place to, for people to shelter and get food, etc.? Uh, <coughs> scripturally, uh, scripturally is the que- is the is the operative word there. Yeah, I, I actually uh, and and I may get some disagreement on this. I actually think in an emergency situation you could. What if there was a hailstorm? Uh, a big hailstorm, and there was a guy walking down the street right in front of the church building, and he and he ran up here and knocked, pounded on the door. Could we let him in yeah. to get shelter out of the hailstorm? Yeah. Well, of course we could. Yeah. Uh, what if there was a devastating earthquake or uh, a terrible hurricane? You know, uh, for for our brethren who live near the coast, and the church building is one of the few standing structures. Could it be? pressed into service in 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 such a crisis my answer to that is actually i think yes that's not what it was built for that's not the purpose of its use that's an extenuating circumstance uh and 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 so you know we're not justifying no that's not the justification for building a uh a dining hall uh to feed people uh, that's not justification to build a a a homeless shelter that's not justification for a home for unwed mothers or or whatever but but i i think that you know in in an emergency uh and a quick temporary need the the church building might be used and it 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 wasn't built for that purpose it was it's not maintained for that purpose it actually doesn't cost anything for it to be used in that fashion I, again, I understand, and I'm very sensitive to the idea of precedence here, and I wouldn't want to establish a precedent that would lead to other problems down the line because I do think the church is very limited in its authorization to do benevolent work. But I would actually take the view, if that was, if that did happen in, in an emergency situation, I don't know that I could object strongly. Where this happens a lot is, though, that there are other ways to, get, to accomplish that. If there are other ways to do it, let's do other ways. All right, let's take a break, and uh, when we get back, uh, we will go one more, more, more question, and we'll go quickly to the top of the hour. How do we talk to people about Easter? How do you show people that it's not scriptural to observe Easter? And what about a church-sponsored Easter egg? Hey, there's folks doing that, even though they may not. There's churches of Christ that have that name on the building that are having Easter egg hunts in the yard. What about that? We're going to take that up on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. 
Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Are you sure that the Bible said something, but you just don't know where? Is your salvation based on a passage that you know is in the Bible, but when asked, you couldn't find it? Do you do things in worship, but you couldn't turn to a book, chapter, and verse to show that God wants you to do it? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to overcoming Bible Deficit Disorder in the metro area by teaching the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. You are invited to attend our worship services on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Join us in the fight against Bible Deficit Disorder. Attend one of our services for a healthy dose of the Bible. That's at the College View Church of Christ. Please don't give in to Bible Deficit Disorder. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A 2019 survey reported that 8% of 8th graders and 30% of 12th graders drank alcohol during the past 30 days. And 4% of 8th graders and 14% of 12th graders binge drank during the past two weeks. That information is via the Center for Disease Control. The Word of God says in Proverbs 20, verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about various listener questions, sort of current events kind of questions. This one's current events uh, in not, the not-too-distant future. A week from this Sunday is right. the man-designated day Easter. Yep. And so this listener wrote in, what's the best way to Scripture show people that we should not observe Easter as a holiday? In the congregation where I attend, they invited and advertised for kids to come and hunt Easter eggs. Because of the weather, they were forced inside the church building. They were hunting eggs everywhere, even in the main part of the building where we worship. What would be the best and most tactful way to deal with this in order to stop it from happening even again this year? Do we even need to talk about where the egg comes from for the Easter Celebration, what in the world would that have to do with the connection with Easter other than perhaps maybe uh, a pagan uh, rite of fertility? I think that's where that did start, wasn't it? Uh, Mohan says the Easter uh, egg hunt seems like entertainment, and the church is not authorized to provide entertainment. Thank you, Mohan, for that. Yes, and let's go to really what I think is probably the bottom line here is that the whole idea of Easter is invented by men. That's not a biblical thing. The observance of Easter is not taught or instructed in the New Testament. Now, someone will object probably immediately and go to Acts chapter 12. Uh, and it, it says uh, in Acts chapter 12, Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Yep. Somebody said, well, there you go. Ah, it's in the Bible. There's Easter in the Bible. And everybody agrees that that is absolutely, that's one of the most horrible abuses found in the King James translation of the Bible. And by the way, that shows that the King James translation of the Bible is not an inspired translation. There aren't any inspired translations. We got some folks who think there are, yeah. but that right there proves that the they King James translation. Yeah, th- this should be Passover. Yeah. 
And, 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 and in the original language, it was Passover. And this was just a blatant attempt to get Easter into the English Bible yeah. by the translator. Yeah. This is Passover. This is not Easter. Uh, the, the, the original language would bear that out. It is the word for Passover. That's correct. So uh, Easter, there, there's, no, there's no New Testament authority for the observance of Easter. Easter, now, of course, they always, and, and in this sense, they are accurate. Those who set the Easter observance set it in conjunction with the annual Jewish observance of Passover, which it should be because it was Passover weekend in Jerusalem when Jesus was yeah, crucified right. and when he was resurrected. And, and so it's usually in the spring, but it varies. The, the date of Christmas is always different every year because it has to do with the establishment of the Jewish calendar based upon moon phases, actually. And that varies. That doesn't line up exactly with our 365-day Gregorian calendar. And so it's different every year. Sometimes it's much later, sometimes it's much earlier based upon uh, it has to do with the oh, full please. moon. Sit down. It's going to get it's going to get deep. It has to do with the full moon. The first full moon after the spring equinox. All right. That's how they calculate that. But that's neither here nor there. The whole thing is not, I mean, no place in the New Testament do we, are we commanded uh, to observe a special day. In other words, it's a special day remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. One day a year. There's no command for that. There's no authority by way of example. There's nothing that implies that we should do that. Instead, what we do is that every first day of the week, observance of the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, when we take the Lord's Supper, uh, we're doing what Jesus said we're supposed to do. And, and we know that the early Christians did that every first day of the week, Acts 20, verse 7. All right. In Acts 20, verse 7, it was uh, the first day of the week occurrence. Not, uh, and we are, we are celebrating the death of Christ, uh, but we're not celebrating it. Uh, we're not celebrating, we're not even celebrating the resurrection there with the Lord's Supper. We're celebrating his death. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes that's an interesting point because sometimes we have brethren who at the Lord's table will say, we've come to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Actually, we're not re- remembering his burial and resurrection. We're remembering his death. That's what we're remembering in the Lord's Supper. Now, obviously, the death is made significant by virtue of the resurrection. We understand that. But we're actually, the Lord's Supper specific is for the purpose of remembering his death and his shed blood. All right. So we'd again ask you, where is the Bible that would, uh, verses that would show you that, yeah, God wants you to celebrate Easter. Kyle, I don't see it in my Bible. No, I mean, uh, just do a quick Google search on the origins of Easter. And <clears throat> it's, uh, well, one, it's Ostra. It was a, uh, yeah, and, uh, Germanic goddess who they prayed to are uh, totally pagan. And her, and it was about her, fertility, uh, wasn't it? And her, one of her little, the rabbit was one of the little, it was the rabbit associated with all that. It is, is a very quick, very quick search. You could just find all that. I just but again, but somebody might say, you know, I think it, but it makes sense that we shouldn't we be celebrating Christ's resurrection? Shouldn't we? I mean, don't we want to celebrate that? Well, it might make sense to you, but does it make sense to God? Did God tell you to do that? What about should yeah, we, we celebrate? Be thankful for the resurrection. We should thankful. be thankful. Absolutely, Every without day. the that's the hope of eternal. That's the hope of you know heaven. Exactly. But as far as a special but, observance, but, you know, this is actually the same argument we make about Christmas. Shouldn't we celebrate? Shouldn't we be happy that Jesus was born as a baby in Bethlehem? Of course, we should be thankful. Yeah. Every day we should be thankful. Absolutely. But there's not authority for a religious observance of a day 
designated to the birth of Jesus. We don't know that day. And actually, we we know the day of Easter. We could, we, I mean, calendar-wise, you can at least pinpoint Easter more than you can Christmas. There's no sense by which we can pinpoint But God didn't say But he didn't say to observe Easter. either one of them. So we don't. Yeah. I mean, someone said, well, it makes sense to me. Why do we celebrate John the Baptist's birthday? You know, I'm very thankful that John the Baptist made the way straight for the Lord. Uh, you know, the I voice of one crying in the wilderness. Uh, he's probably more deserving than many of these holidays we have out there. So <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. But, so. but God didn't say to do that. And so we just do what God said to do. And so um, DQ wants to see Kyle. He wants the Kyle cam turned yeah, on. He thinks, he thinks, he thinks, up, so. Oh, he thinks it may be a recording, the man he behind thinks, the curtain He here. thinks it may be a virtual Kyle. Uh, person yeah. there, not a real. But again, we just, we're committed to doing what the scriptures say to do. And so since the scriptures don't tell us to observe the Easter holiday, we don't. Now, we're thankful that Christ died and was resurrected absolutely every day of the year. Yeah. But uh, again, we're just limited to what the scriptures taught us. Uh, guest 1750 in the chat room says the saints are commanded to give funds to support the work of the church and to help the saints in need. An Easter egg hunt does not further the gospel, does not line up with what the church was made to do, and does not assist Christians in need of basic necessities. I think that's exactly right. All right. Uh, oh, uh, 1750 says, additionally, setting dates to remember religious events gives an excuse not to remember it on other days. It compartmentalizes our focus when our thankfulness of his death should be constant. Isn't that true? Because churches, now it won't be so this year because everybody's locked down, but churches typically have... A big peak attendance on Easter Sunday and then at Christmas time, two times a year. And both of them are unauthorized special observances. That's a good point. You think about, I mean, there's so much focus around Christmas and around the Lenten season leading up to Easter. A lot of focus then. And then do we let our guard down after that? Or do we say, you know, it's not so important now. I did. I did what I was supposed to do for Easter. It does uh, cause one to maybe put their focus in the wrong places. Guess 1525 says, I don't think Kyle really came together with you Kyle, all Kyle, you're sort of causing a little bit of an uproar here. <laughs> well, let's, I'll show proof of my... I'll just have to let my finger in front of there. Oh, yeah, you see. It's oh. okay. I'll put my finger in front of I don't think that was your finger, Kyle. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. We're out of time. Let's, let's, let's draw this to a close. I, I hope everybody enjoyed the discussion of several different things that sort of pertinent to... They were... Listener-generated questions pertinent to events currently, I think. Yeah, good discussion. And it, it is very encouraging that people are interested in doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so these questions illustrate that, and we certainly need to be committed to that. We're always open to your questions. Send us more questions. We're always trying to store up questions for sort of a smorgasbord uh program like tonight where we deal with different questions sent in by listeners send your questions to questions at college yeah sunday sunday ten thirty. drive-in worship we're assuming it's still on we think it's still on we we thank the governor's special orders for us here in tennessee allow us to do what we're doing and that's we're, we're moving forward with that assumption until we learn otherwise and uh, for those who are not in the columbia tennessee area well, we have opportunities for you to at least, uh, well, virtually. Uh, Sunday night, there'll be, be a sermon us. on our live stream, College View live stream. Wednesday night, we're having a, a, an interesting study of the Book of Acts. We just started it, uh, and that that's also at our live stream, College View 
live stream. Kyle, any comments from you tonight? No, it's a good study. I think it's a very good question. So relevant, uh, very relevant questions right now. Appreciate you being here to help us get it out on the air tonight. Uh, Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, appreciate you being a part of the study tonight and hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.